Hi, and welcome to the Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Cheryl Lang. When our family goes on a road trip, along with packing and buying fun junk food to eat, as my children got older, part of our preparation is a tradition that we each make playlists of fun road trip music we want to listen to. We often play a game of karaoke to songs we don't know, or Speed, Can You Name That Tune? Which I always lose. Of course, the songs on my playlist are from the incontestably best rock music ever from the 60s and 70s. So all my grown children now have all that great music in their music registries in their brains. Sometimes it's just really good when you go back and listen again to something you've heard before. And today we're doing that on the podcast. No, we're not going to play some Gladys Knight or Sly and the Family Stone, but we're going to go back into our archives and repost a popular episode. We deal with two subjects. One is social media and our kids, and the other is what to do when people are critical about your parenting. It's extra fun because today is back with Ellen and me in the studio. Listen in again as we re-dive into these very interesting, timely topics, no matter what the age or stage of your children. We're excited because we are back in yes, we are. The, <laughs> the recording studio. Mm-hmm. Was, and Danae and Ellen and I are around the table again. Mm-hmm. I brought something in today. I read about a study that came out in the New York Times, mm-hmm. and it's related to parenting and teenagers. Okay. And I just thought I'd read it to you and see what y'all thought about it as we start today. So the New York Times reported a study suggesting adolescents are most susceptible to damaging effects of social media during two particularly vulnerable ages. Mm-hmm. And this is their quote. Analyzing survey responses of more than 84,000 people of all ages in Britain, the researchers identified two distinct periods of adolescence when heavy use of social media spurred lower ratings of Life satisfaction. Mm -hmm. First around puberty, that's ages 11 to 13 for girls Mm -hmm. and 14 to 15 for boys. And then again for both sexes around age 19. And then the guy reporting on it, well, this is sort of what he concluded from it. Um, For all ages, participants who felt bad about their lives wound up spending more time on social media a year later. To him, it suggested that to some people, the technology might be a coping mechanism rather than the cause of their gloom. So I just thought, interesting, those time periods. Mm-hmm. Oh, what do y'all think? What are your responses to uh, this idea of increased social media around these crucial bookends mm-hmm. to the teen years? Mm-hmm. Well, I think most of the time I feel like it's unhealthy. And the reason I say that is because you're, in a way, artificially um, communicating with others. And in those vulnerable years that you're talking about, those are years 
that without social media have traditionally always been hard years. Yes. And you learn how to communicate during those years. Oh. The pros and cons. Oh, I said this to my best friend. Now she won't talk to me. <laughs> but you have a dynamic when it's one-on-one. If I say something to my best friend on the Internet or on Facebook or just through a text, mm-hmm. it can be taken in so many different ways mm-hmm. as to opposed to if I'm standing in front of my friend and I say, you really made me mad when you you know, said this in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. then that allows that person to learn the skill of responding. Mm-hmm. And you work together if you value your friendship, whether you get in a fight or not. Mm-hmm. You learn how to do that in those years. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Those times are when people are thinking the most about their identity. Yes. You know, you think mm-hmm. puberty, and then also after you've graduated from high school, you're in a new setting typically really of good college or maybe going out in the workforce and and you're asking yourself who am I yeah and that those were the two age brackets where people were really leaning into social media to maybe you know see how they measure up or who they should be that's really good because I don't think I agreed with his insight yeah you know it's possible about the coping mechanism yeah that's a coping mechanism Mm. sure it might be but that's why I ask you all because I wanted to hear what you thought. And, and I he wasn't suggesting that they were interacting. He said they were just on, on it. social media. And so yeah. you wind up kind of perusing yeah. everything. And I think at those ages, some of it would make you feel worse about yourself mm-hmm. because you would see what everybody else is doing. Yeah. Well, and here we use the phrase, even with moms, struggling with the Pinterest perfect yes. whatever. Being the Pinterest perfect mom or Pinterest perfect birthday, whatever it is. And we're talking with grown adults. And then here we have these incredibly formative, Mm -hmm. crucial points. And there's not a filter on all that coming in. And I agree with you, Danae. I think those are identity forming moments. Mm -hmm. And to have that bombardment increase. It's artificial. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's no filter. There's no... Mom, you know, I really think this about me because of this. As as parents, Mm -hmm. we're excluded from that. So we're not speaking into that struggle. Mm. And so the struggle is private, and it's that anonymous intimacy Mm -hmm. with whoever that social media is out there. When we were kids, teenagers, we could look at, oh, she's the most popular girl in school. She might be approachable and you could go up and then you get to know her a little bit and you realize, oh, well, she's popular for all these reasons. Mm-hmm. Some are legitimate, some are not. And, and it helps you. Too. Yes, it helps you yeah. evaluate as opposed to what you want to present on mm-hmm. your social media. Mm-hmm. Right. I have to admit, going back to the part that he talked about the coping mechanism, uh-huh. I do that. I'll catch myself if I feel stressed that I'll be scrolling through on on Instagram, oh. you know. And so I know that's true for me, that if I'm already stressed or maybe feeling low, I I can go to that. And I've yeah. many times gotten off of Instagram because I had to kind of discipline myself. I knew I wasn't handling that stressful moment or that maybe a time I was feeling bad about myself and was looking to to others to see how I was measuring up, and I'd have to to go in and, and turn it That's off good. for a while. This is why I wanted just to present mm-hmm. it to you and share with the moms to realize 
this may be their kid's reality mm-hmm. and to be sensitive to it. And mm-hmm. again, our, our go-to is always have the conversations. Mm-hmm. So moms, you might want to bring this study up mm-hmm. to churn up the conversation with your kids and open the door, say, come on, let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to, to be a sounding board. Yeah, and I would say also just that's why I shared with you all my struggle because I think one of the best things we can do for our children is to model to them what we're doing. And even if that's modeling to them what you're not doing well, you can go to your children and say, hey, I'm struggling. I had to go off my Instagram account for a little bit because I realized I was on it too much. It's a good way to walk with your children and and to make it real, not just that you're being heavy-handed with them and you don't understand. I I don't know if you turn it on, but for me on my phone and my social media stuff, every week I get a print, not a printout, but I get a a report Mm -hmm. of how much time I have, how much screen time. And I'm I'm assuming it's for parents, but I use it for me because I realize, (laughs) oh, I didn't really realize I spent that much time this week or oh I did good I was only doing this much mm-hmm. yeah and when my kids my girls were first getting me on Facebook years ago mm-hmm. my son who was a post-college walked in and he said it will suck two hours your hours of your <laughs> yes. life and you'll never know it so Absolutely. mom's just more for your discussion and your mm-hmm. thoughts okay I have a, a question that has been written several different ways by moms and this one is how to deal with grandparents and or family members who are critical of your parenting choices. A lot of moms I've talked to struggle with this and they don't know what to do because even in their presence, the grandparents will correct the children and mm-hmm. correct the mom. So mm-hmm. it's not just, you know, why are you doing that mm-hmm. type comment, but they actively will be doing it mm-hmm. in their presence. Um, and there are so many options out there of yep. how to teach your children and, and how they should dress and what they should eat. And we went through several different ways of eating, <laughs> you know, in my home. We had the no wheat time, the no dairy time, the, you know, eat only these vegetables and fruits, you know. And and um, a lot of people had grace for me, but I remember, you know, being insecure because of yeah. all of the yeah. options. And you talk about options. Options are through the roof nowadays. Right. It's just... So many opinions. Uh, yes. I mean... This is the best parenting podcast, (laughs) but there are probably 10,000 out there and you can be in any different direction of how it's all being handled. So the options and the, you know, information overload, Mm -hmm. all that pressure. And I mean, what I would want to tell myself back then and and tell moms is to, you know, just trust yourself and and, um, to not be so insecure, but that's so hard, (laughs) you know, it's so hard. We... We want support. We want people who are around us encouraging us and, and you know, helping us out. Maybe they think maybe something better would work, but it's hard when you have critical people in your lives. Well, sharing with someone who had that active, critical, literally disciplining the children and correcting her for how she wasn't disciplining and so uh, we talked a lot about it. Try to not take it personally. Right. Yeah. And remember, these are your children. 
and God gave them to you, you're the primary person responsible. Yes. For me, that was, you know, my mom very critical about a lot of things. And I just had to, this is an oversimplification, but I just kind of had to resolve not to get bugged mm -hmm. by all of the little things she thought I wasn't doing right. Mm -hmm. And that's a whole other talk, I think, is, you know, if you have someone in your life that's a harsh person and how you learn to deal with them over time, roles never stop changing. That's always your mom. Mm -hmm. And you're now you're a mom and you have to sometimes rework your relationship with your mother yeah. as she's aging, <clears throat> as she's becoming your grandmother, all sorts of different things mm -hmm. that that's the hard part about human relationships. Yeah. It's not just, you know, mom, shut up and go sit down. You know, it's complicated. And if you've had problems with your mother, they're not going to go away simply because you have grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And those are the things you have to work on within yourself. Because mm. we're giving practical advice, but you still have to go inward and say, how do I deal with my mother's criticism? Mm -hmm. You've had a critical parent. Mm -hmm. You have to weigh that. And, you know, am I going to take everything she says as I did when I was younger? Or am I going to move forward? Wow. Good things. When she looked at her whole life, her mother tried to control her whole life mm -hmm. and had been critical. Mm -hmm. And she had been the responsive, a compliant child that wanted to please her mother. Mm -hmm. And then when her mother was critical, then she would adjust to doing it. So what she That's had good. learned to do is yeah. evaluate, realize it's the same thing going on, just now another generation added. Mm -hmm. And then she began to have boundaries mm -hmm. and talk with her mom about the boundaries mm -hmm. in a good conversation. Mm -hmm. Go back to that rule about deal with it once the issue and then discuss it when it isn't. And working with her to help her get where she could pull her mom aside when it's not an issue and there's no emotion and chat with her about it. Mm -hmm. and, and also, does it matter? No. My mother was a very controlling person. Mm -hmm. And so I just had to decide what she's wanting to control over here isn't that big of a deal. And I'm just going to blow it off. It's not going to mm -hmm. harm anyone. It makes her happy in the moment, and, you know, it keeps peace. I don't feel compromised because I've agreed already with myself mm -hmm. that I'm not going to worry about it because it's not that she's telling the kids to do something horrible. Mm -hmm. She just wants to arrange it her way. Remembering back, especially when my kids were young, I know what would really bother me is when someone was critical about something, I was already being critical to my oh, yeah. So I had five kids, eight and under, and um, I spent a lot of time as we're talking about diapers and getting them ready for us to go places, feeding them. So I was trying to make the best choices I knew how. And so my house cleanliness wasn't always the top of the priority because I was getting baths and teeth getting brushed and fights being and all of that. And so, but it was something I went to bed at night insecure about. Oh, I should have, oh. I should have, you know, swept and mopped the floor today. And, and honestly, I didn't have time to do all the things that probably needed to be done, but I would beat myself up about it. So when someone would comment on it, someone would come in my house and say, wow, you've got a lot of toys everywhere. I took it so personally. Mm -hmm. I took mm -hmm. it so hard because I thought I must be being a bad mother, a bad wife. 
a bad friend, you know, that mother that we have in our heads that does all these things. I should be able to cook the best meal, play with all my children, fix every fight. Oh, and have the perfect clean house, you know. And have all the conversations like TPP says. And you sit down (laughs) and you have the conversations. You know, it's really hard. In fact, um, just yesterday, one of my daughters made a comment about Well, you know, Mom, I think the reason why we didn't learn how to um, keep the house as clean as we would like to, and she keeps going, and I started feeling that defensiveness come up in me, and I think I was a little short, and she said, oh, Mom, I'm sorry. I didn't know this was a sore spot for you, and I realized, shoot, it still happens to me. I'm better, but I still choose conversations over cleaning my house. <laughs> it's a great excuse now. <laughs> But this is complicated. We're talking about the deep core. Isn't it interesting? It's not about the house. It's not about educational choices. It's not about the size of your family and those kind of comments. It goes back to who we are as moms. Right. Yeah. I heard someone a long time ago say this. There are only two kinds of people. They're insecure people and they're insecure people. (laughs) And so you just watch out how they do it. Some people cave in and give in and kind of face themselves and other people get angry and whatever it is, what you're talking about, it's just our insecurity, mm-hmm. which goes down to our core values of who am I and why am I valuable? Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. And the power of a parent is very strong. It truly the power is. of your mother is very strong. And the words she says to you or doesn't say to you is really powerful. And those are, for me, those are the things I have to work out in my own heart mm-hmm. is, you know, my mom's a broken person and she has a life of sorrows. So she took it out on mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. family. And when I reached that maturity point, it really changed a lot of things. And my mom and I became very good friends as she was aging. Because I could see her in a different light and her hardships and that she was reacting to um, to her childhood. From her pain. Yeah. And it was the same thing with my mother-in-law to realize why she was doing it and that she really thought these were good ideas. Mm-hmm. And she also took it personally that if we made a choice that was not her choice oh. of the way she raised her family— she took that personally as criticism. Oh, let's talk about that, Cheryl, because whether it's your, your mother, your mother-in-law, people on the street, people in the grocery store, mm-hmm. that is a lot of insecurity that comes out in their comments about other people's families. Whether it's education or size or mm-hmm. what vehicle, a lot of it, like this, when we want to love others better, mm-hmm. realize They're speaking out of their pain, out of their brokenness inside. So, you know, have you ever gone into a party and you wore pants to the party and everybody else has an address, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's quick tendency is to think, why are they all wearing dresses? (laughs) You know, you have to be critical of someone maybe because you're feeling 
insecure, mm -hmm. you know, about why am I the only one who's different? You know, it's just kind of a practical way to think of, I think when someone, you're doing something different than someone else, it's easy to criticize that person because you're thinking about about yourself, yeah, you know. And we've had several years, masks, no masks, vax, no vax, whatever it is, just so many things. And we come back to a core value of TPP and for us mm -hmm. is that each individual, because they're created by God, mm -hmm. has inherent dignity, worth, and value. Yes. And if I can live out of that, then it changes the way I treat other people. Mm -hmm. But I have to let that be fulfilling in me so I can turn around and try to love others yeah. or not being critical back to them if they're being critical to me. Yeah, it's you almost know. a reflex, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So I have above my big full-length mirror in my bathroom a sign that says, Hello, gorgeous. <laughs> you know, and... And it's done in this really pretty font. It matches my bedroom. But I put it there to remind myself to not be overly critical with myself. Wow. Yeah. That's so I think good. you're right, Cheryl, that it's it's about how I'm really viewing myself and am I treating myself critical that then that comes on to other people. So it's, it's a goal of mine to really not be that way with myself. And I like that because... What if we approached everybody in our life saying, Hello, Hello Gordon. <laughs> right. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Before we go, you know, I'm looking at you two women here with me at my gorgeous friends. And <laughs> I just want to say to all of you, you are worth so much, you gorgeous moms. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's how we feel about you, listeners. Wow. Good things. Thank you so much. Remember, parents, mm -hmm. hang in there. Keep loving. Keep persevering because it's worth it. Unfortunately, because of copyright infringement laws, right now you aren't listening to a little Stevie Wonder in the background. But both of these topics we discussed today are really challenging because there just simply isn't a quick fix, or a one-two-three answer. As you heard, the three of us had to deal with them ourselves in our parenting. By the way, both of these subjects came from questions that parents sent us. Do you have a question you'd like us to talk about? Please let us hear from you. Just text us at contact at theparentingpodcast.com or DM us on social media regardless of the topic or the episode. Remember, parents, the Parenting Podcast is always here to walk alongside of you, helping you flourish and bringing your heart hope.